Our text today comes from Exodus chapter 17, beginning at verse 8. Hear the word of the Lord. Then Amalek came and fought with Israel at Rephidim. Moses said to Joshua, choose some men for us and go out, fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I'll stand on the top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses told him and fought with Amalek, while Moses, Aaron, and Ur went up to the top of the hill. Whenever Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed. But whenever he lowered his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands grew weary, so they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Ur held up his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side, so that his hands were steady until the sun set. And Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the sword. The word of the Lord. Be gracious to our seeking, O God, of a word from you. Allow us by your spirit to find ourselves in the high drama of this text, that we might better have insights into the drama of the spirit in our own lives as well. We ask it in the name of the Savior Jesus, the word made flesh. Amen. I'm continuing in a series of homilies focused on the Hebrews' journey from slavery through the wilderness into the promised land. God brought the people through the desert for the same reason God brings us onto the hard road, to teach us what it means to be free. As we continue to follow them on the journey today, we find that they have arrived now at Rephidim, very near the southern tip of the Sinai Peninsula. And as soon as they arrive, they are attacked by Amalek and his soldiers. I've always thought of Amalek and these warriors as kind of an ancient motorcycle gang who were just preying on defenseless people on vacation through the desert. He's a bad guy. So when Moses sees what's about to happen, he tells Joshua to engage Amalek in battle with Joshua's men. While Moses goes up onto the mountain with the staff of God, and he holds the staff of God up above his hands in a posture of prayer. As long as Moses held the staff of God up in the air, Joshua and his man prevailed in battle. But when Moses grew weary and dropped his hands, Amalek and his men prevailed in battle. So clearly, the decisive factor in who prevails in this battle has nothing to do with Joshua and his swords. It has to do with Moses and this posture of prayer before God. So what's even the point of Joshua? Why doesn't God just you know, throw down some fire from heaven and get rid of Amalek? Because the point of this battle, and our battles, it's not to win. It's not to defeat the enemy. The point is to be unafraid of the enemy. It's the only way that you can keep your freedom. When we get to the end of the chapter, we're told that Amalek, his people, prevail. They just 
or persevere rather. They just persevere. They just continue, the end of the text says, from one generation to the next, Amalek perseveres. You never fully get rid of the enemy. Amalek shows up not only continually in the biblical story, but also in our stories as well. Who is your Amalek? Who is it that's doing all he can to prevent you from making it to the promised land? Who is it that just terrifies you? Is Amalek the voices that bang around in your head telling you that you're not good enough or smart enough to make it? Is it the voice that tells you you're not actually even called? Those other people around you, they're called. But you, really, what is even a calling? That's Amalek talking. So that's not the Holy Spirit. All Amalek. Or is Amalek actually inviting a particular person who's just against you? Is it your father-in-law who is, well, possessed? (laughs) Is it a, a student who's so insecure that this student has to keep tearing you down? Or is Amalek a grave social, systemic injustice that's doing all it can to prevent you from making it to the promised land, that turns you away from your calling to live fully free, fully alive? Well, I don't know exactly who Amalek is for you. I have some pretty strong ideas about who he is in my life. I know he's been around, and he will always remain around. Amalek was there on the playground when you were a kid. He was in elementary school. He was in high school. He was in college. He's here. I can guarantee you he's waiting for you in your ministry. He has different names. He shows up with different faces. But Amalek is a constant experience in deja vu. Here we go again. It'd be easy to just try to hide from this or to run from it or ignore it but there is a sacred purpose for Amalek. In fact, there are three. A three-point sermon in 10 minutes. Watch this. (laughs) First, Amalek makes you strong. Now, I know you may not be drawn to images like being strong or battles or the enemy. You may have come to seminary because you just wanted to study theology and and learn the art of compassion. Well, we're all for that. And we try to do that. It's part of our mission here. But now we're talking about Amalek, who only wants to hurt you. Amalek will not be impressed by your skills at empathy. He just wants to prevent you from moving ahead. And he does, he will do that by hurting you. Jesus told us clearly that we have to love our enemies, but he did not say we have to be hurt by them. Remember that. You have to be strong in the Lord to avoid being hurt. Amalek has spent his life preying on defenseless people in the desert. The Hebrews have spent their lives as slaves. Who were they to take on this warrior? They were a people with a dream. That's who they were. 
And history has never found any people as strong or as ultimately victorious as those who have a dream. So if you find yourself engaged with someone who's trying to stand between you and the fulfilling of your call, you have to strengthen yourself in the dream. And I will promise you that if it's a dream worthy of your life, someone will try to stand in the way of it. So grow strong in the dreams God has laid upon your heart. A second benefit to dealing with Amalek is that he demonstrates you are free. Absolutely free. Nothing is more enslaving than those who are afraid of conflict. You'll never be free if you are absolutely addicted to pleasing people or to meeting their expectations. No free people know how to live with others who are disappointed in them because we're not fulfilling their expectations. We have holy ones that we're pursuing. Jesus was constantly in one form of conflict or another. By the way, most of them were conflicts that he started. If he wanted to avoid conflict, he could have left well enough alone, but it wasn't well enough, so he didn't leave it alone, and he could only do that because he was free. Free from people's expectations, free to show them a holier way. A third sacred use for Amalek is that he creates a community of prayer. Again, in response to this battle that Moses and Joshua did not want, did not ask for, as they were just trying to defend themselves against this attack, Moses takes on the posture of prayer. It is striking to me that Moses grew weary praying faster than Joshua did engaged in battle. That's because Prayer is harder work than engaging in battle. In fact, it's such hard work that you need help. You need a community of prayers around you, which is why Aaron and her have to come to his side and assist him in holding this posture of prayer. There in the continued posture of prayer, with the community of prayers around us, we are able to see the battle from God's holy perspective and not our own. We are free from worrying about whether we win the battle or not. We're free to realize if we don't win this battle, it's not ultimate. There's Amalek's waiting in the next chapter as well. <laughs> There'll be other days. You're free because of the prayer. The prayer lifts your eyes to see holy intervention, holy providence, and that holy calling to simply persevere without worrying about the results of this conflict. Jesus promised that when two or three come together, his name, he's always there in the midst of them. Never is that more true than when the community gathers in prayer. And then in prayer, we see that the Savior is with us. In the wonderful great days, in the days of battle and conflict, the Savior is there. We see that he sees all of it. And then we see that perfect love that cast out our fear. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.